Well, welcome everybody. It's a lovely full house. And uh, my name is Lorelei, if we've never met. I'm married to that very fine young gentleman in the front row there, Vaughan. And <laughs> he's a good guy, let me tell you. He was away for a couple of days this week, and I missed him so much. It was a good reminder for me what an incredible gem I have in that man. So, um, yes, but let's get back to the Word of God, right? So, um, yeah, so I just want to say all the best to you for 2024. I'm trusting that God will show you His blessing and His best in this year. But my biggest prayer, actually, for us is that we will give our best to God this year. And so my charge for you this year is that you will step into 2024 with a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective. And so I'm really trusting that God's going to use this message just to just refocus us. Because this is a good time, actually. You know, God lives outside of time. But we live in time, and sometimes we just need a fresh start. We need some new beginnings. And the beginning of a year is a great time just to look back at 2023, say to God, thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for all the good things that you've done. And for some of us, maybe leave some of those awful things back in 2023. And I know it's not as simple as just changing from one day to another, but it's good just to stop, reassess, reset and refocus and put Jesus at the center of our lives again. And so we trust that God's going to just move in our hearts as we share the word today. So last year, uh, we went down to Cape Town. So we have three children, Jordan, Jonathan, and Kezia. And um, the boys were still at varsity, so it was only the three of us uh, that went down to Cape Town. We had a wonderful time. And on the way down, we booked a place, and it was so quaint and so lovely all sort of French decor, which I absolutely love. And uh, we really had a lovely time, stopped over the next day, we were on the road again. And so on the way back, we booked a place again. So I was sort of expecting something as lovely and as wonderful. And this place was a little bit awkward, actually. <laughs> and uh, like 70s decor, I don't know, orange and brown, which I'm not really into. And, um, <laughs> and it was prefab. And um, sort of dormitory style, so you came in long passage, came in this, and on that side there were sliding doors, and it opened onto a, a bar area and a communal, a closed sort of swimming area, so you just felt like there were people all around. And we could obviously hear everybody through the prefab, you know, <laughs> next door. So it was such a strange place to stop in, in a weird town. I can't even remember the towns, but really weird. Um, but anyway... So, and we got there, and was like, no, we are getting back in the car, and we are heading home. <laughs> and Vaughn had been driving all the time, because I don't do much of the driving. He was like, no, we need to rest. So we said, it's one night. It's one night of your life. We, it was all clean and neat. There was no, it wasn't dirty. I wouldn't have stayed there, but it was. <laughs> but it was clean and neat. And it is a bit uncomfortable. It's an awkward place, but we just got one night here. And then tomorrow, we're off home. And we're in our own beds tomorrow night. How wonderful. But that's a bit like what life is like here on earth. We are passing through. We are not here to stay. We are headed for a much better place. And sometimes this place is awkward and uncomfortable. And as much as we try to make it as comfortable as possible, there are still times that it is uncomfortable. But we are heading home. And so I want to charge you to start 2024 with that eternal perspective. 
that we are headed home and we are not going to be here in this place forever. And so Peter puts it so well in 1 Peter 1 verses 1 to 2. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, that's what we are, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So Peter is speaking to these that have been chosen by God. God has made them His own. He's sanctified them. That means He's just cleansed them by the work of the Holy Spirit. And they now live in obedience to Jesus Christ. These people that he writes to were in a time of persecution. Um, he was writing to Jews and Gentiles at the time. And he uses this word strangers. They were people staying in a strange place for a short time. Just like us at the Lakerslaw place. It was just a short time that we were there. But they weren't just scattered, and they weren't strangers because they were being persecuted and scattered. And, and so he wasn't just speaking to them because it was a geographical, um, they were being scattered geographically. And so that's why he was speaking to them. Yes, they were strangers because of practical reasons. But he was also speaking about that heavenly reality. And because of their suffering, he wanted to remind them, it's not going to be like this forever. You can endure this because it's just for a short time. And he's telling them this truth. Our home on earth is temporal. Our ultimate home is in heaven. And Paul even says we, our citizenship is in heaven. We are headed for heaven. And that truth is applicable for us here today as his chosen ones. We are headed for heaven. And we feel like strangers sometimes. The world does feel strange but we are simply passing through. I sometimes feel for people that don't yet know Jesus and don't know this reality because they think this life is it. And this is all it's about. Although we know that in this life there are beautiful things. God has created beautiful things. There are beautiful relationships. There are beautiful times. But there is also sin and there is a lot of brokenness and evil as well. And so I'm so grateful that we have the hope of heaven. This isn't just it for us. It's only going to get better. So everything beautiful that we experience here, it's going to be on steroids in heaven. And we are going to have an amazing time there. So as Christians, we are afforded this incredible privilege of having an eternal perspective. And that's what I want us to go into 2024 with, keeping our minds on heaven. The reason I want you to realize today that you're a stranger and that you're passing through so that you will develop this heavenly perspective, this eternal perspective, so that you can be more spiritually focused in 2024. You can have more of a sense of what God's purpose is for your life in 2024 when you've got the end goal in mind and you know what this process looks like as we prepare ourselves, that that will be your motivating factor, preparation for heaven. So let's look at that glorious goal, that end goal. And I want to read from Revelation 19 verses 6 to 9. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad 
and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb, and that is Jesus, has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. I can't wait for that day. That day when we will meet Jesus face to face and there will be this wedding celebration. And we will be joined to him and we will spend eternity with him. But I've had to stop and ask myself, am I ready? Am I ready for that day? Am I taking the necessary time to prepare myself the way a bride prepares herself for her bridegroom? Are my garments white? Are my garments clean? Do I have any spot or wrinkle as it speaks about in Ephesians? Have I taken the time to get myself ready? So Vaughan being a pastor, he does a lot of weddings. So we attend a lot of weddings and we do a lot of pre-marriage, which we absolutely love. But we've noticed just the amount of time that brides and the groom, but mostly the bride, spend on getting ready for that day. It is staggering. The amount of time and energy. I'm looking at just looking at these two that are getting married shortly. How much time and energy and money goes into preparing for that wedding day. Months in advance, the dress being made, choosing colors for bridesmaids' dresses, the right makeup artist, the hairdresser has to be just the right one, deciding on styles, the right jewelry, going for tastings at the venue to see if the food is right, the flowers, the decor. It's endless, am I not right? And it's appropriate. It's a very special and very important day for that couple. Marriage is for life, and it's good that we celebrate it because bringing two people together in the union of marriage is a beautiful thing. It would be ludicrous to think if that bride went in her track pants and her hair was, hadn't washed it for three days and it was up in a messy bun and she thought she could walk down the aisle like that. I mean, it would be crazy. We would think she'd lost her mind. And so she would have no confidence walking down that aisle to meet the love of her life. So that preparation is necessary. And I want you to take that picture and think about our heavenly bridegroom. I want you to apply that picture as we consider how we should prepare ourselves as the bride of Christ. Can you think about how you are preparing yourself and beautifying yourself for the day that Jesus will return? Or you will pass on and you will meet him face to face. So Jesus died for us so that we could have a renewed relationship with the Father. So we are in relationship with the Father, those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus. But a very important part of that relationship is transformation. So God saves us through Jesus, but he wants to perfect us and cause us to become more and more like Jesus. So that transformation process is a very important part of our relationship with God. We are his people, his disciples, he's called us to be that, but he is looking for mature disciples. He's looking for those that have been perfected and grown up into Christ and so the question is, how do we prepare ourselves for that big day? I'm going to do it under two points. 
What is spiritual maturity? We're going to speak about maturity defined. And how do we grow in maturity? Maturity pursued. Let's just look at what maturity looks like or immaturity looks like in the natural. And you look at babies and toddlers, and many of you have, we have lots in our church. And two things I, I thought about is, and there, there are many more, but some characteristics of a baby or a toddler are that they are very selfish. We know that. They think the world revolves around them, and we as parents have to teach them. And we've, our parenting courses taught us to, to teach our little ones that it's not a me-centered world, it's a we-centered world or family. Because they have to realize they're in a family and they're in a community. And so their world needs to expand and get bigger and bigger and they need to stop being so self-absorbed and they need to engage the world in a more selfless kind of way. So growing up entails that we become less self-absorbed and selfish and more selfless. And I know that is the goal, and I know some of us are, are still very selfish in many ways. But a sign of growing up is that we start looking more outwardly and we start engaging people and considering the needs of those around us. Then little ones are very dependent. They're completely dependent on the, their needs and looking to their mom and dad and to their caregivers. And I know as a mom, I longed for the time when my kids could do things for themselves. So, you know, when they could go to the loo by themselves, when they could eat and feed themselves, where they could dress themselves. I mean, I had three, they're all two years apart. So I, often I had two kids in nappies at the same time. It was labor intensive. And there were days I longed when they would just be able to do things for themselves. And then I just love it when they can start washing dishes and mowing the lawn and washing the car, right? <laughs> Because that's the day, you, that's why you had kids. You've got to help around the house. So, and then when they get their license, which all three of mine have got now, so I can send them to the shops. It's wonderful because I'm not a great shop. I don't like shopping. So a sign of maturity and growth is that we stop becoming takers and we start becoming givers. And we are able to help other people. So just as in the natural, there's this growth and there's this progression from being a baby into an adult. And we commend our children for those milestones and for those signs of maturity in their lives. So it is in the spiritual. We can't stay babies in the spiritual. We can't stay as a toddler. And we can't stay. It would be very inappropriate if a teenager would call their mom to come and dress them, right? So it's the same in the spiritual. We can't stay in that place. It's not natural. We must see how we are growing and developing as Christ followers. So the first one, maturity defined. What does it look like for us as Christ followers? If someone had to walk through the door and we had to sort of analyze them and decide whether they were mature or immature, what, what would we look for? What would that look like for us? Or... Um, are we, you know, can we identify if we ourselves are actually developing and, and maturing? Because it is a process. It's not that one day you suddenly arrive and you are mature. But it's good for us just to look at some of these things, to look what are we working towards? How, what do we need to grow towards as it were? So this isn't a, an exhaustive list, no, by no means. But there are some verses that I've taken out of the Bible just to show us what a mature disciple should and could look like and how we need to grow in different areas. 
So the first one is that mature disciples are devoted. And so let me just say this first. I don't want you to feel overwhelmed by this in any way. I want this to be an inspiration to you today. That's my heart. I want you to look at it and say, yes, actually, I feel like I've grown in the last year in that area. I'm doing well there. But maybe this area, I need to grow. And pick out a couple as I go, a couple of areas to say, those are areas that I need work in. I don't want you to feel condemned or overwhelmed in any way, but just rather to look at what God's word says so that it can be a form of, of shaping, but a form of assessing where you are at. So mature disciples are devoted. In Acts 2, verse 41 to 47, it says they devoted, that's a very key word, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Devoted, being devoted is a sign of maturity, but it's also a means to maturity. Being devoted to the things of God, being devoted to the teaching that you hear here in your city group, um, listening to the word of God, whatever it is that you are devoted to teaching, to fellowship, that is us being together, then the breaking of bread and prayer, that can help us to grow in the things of God. Then the second one is mature disciples hold to the teachings of Jesus. John 8, 31 says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So we would need to know the teachings of Jesus. That means we would have to read the Bible. We'd need to read the gospels. We'd need to get into that to understand what Jesus' teachings are all about, to be able to hold fast to them, to be able to live by them. So at City Woman AM, we worked through the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 through to 7 over a few months, and we went line by line, and we looked and, and familiarized ourselves with the teachings of Jesus. And you need to do that to be able to hold fast to them. Then third, mature disciples love one another. John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the way we treat each other is so important. How we love one another. Because it's a sign to those that are outside of the church that we are his disciples. That we have been set apart. That we have been chosen and that we belong to God. So how we love is really important. How we treat one another is very important in church life and even those outside of the church because it's a mark or a characteristic of Christ in our lives. Then mature disciples bear fruit. John 15, 8 says, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then Galatians 5, 22, which we know so well, which speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, Bearing the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I'm rattling those off now. But God wants those fruits, that fruit, to be evident in our lives. He wants the fruit of good works to be evident in our lives, and it's a sign of us growing in maturity. He wants the fruit of good character to be developed in our lives. That's a sign of that the fact that we are growing in maturity, the more we reflect these attributes in our lives. Then the fifth one, mature disciples reflect Christ. 
Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 16. It's quite a long uh, piece of scripture, but it's such a, an important part. If you're wanting to understand maturity, this is one that you can just sit on for a little while. I would go and read it when you get home. It was he who gave some, which is speaking about Jesus, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So God has given us apostles and teachers and prophets to minister to us so that we can get to a place of maturity and we can be used in God's kingdom. And then it says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we need to become more like Christ. Then we no longer, sorry, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part, as each part does its work. So we see four things from this passage is that we are meant to be attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We need to come into the fullness. We need to start looking more and more like Jesus. So those are big shoes to fill. But I want to remind you today that we don't develop that Christ-likeness in our own strength. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is our openness, our willingness, our devotion to that process, but it is the Holy Spirit that is working in us so that we can become more like Jesus. Then the th second thing it says that we become discerning of false teaching. When we're immature, we just grab at any old teaching. We don't have that discernment, and sometimes we can fall into traps because of that. We get caught in false teaching and bad teaching, and the more we mature, the more we spend time with God and become like Him, then we are become more discerning. It also says that we begin to speak the truth in love. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we actually we lie to each other quite a lot. We don't always tell the truth, and we don't always speak the truth in love. You know, if your friend comes to you and says, you know, my husband said this morning I'm the most impatient person. What do you think? And then you no, I don't think you're impatient at all. You're lovely. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know in your mind you're like, oh, my word, she is so impatient, and she's so short and sharp, even with me sometimes. And you put on a smile, and <laughs> instead of saying to her, you know what, this is an area in your life. And because I'm your sister in Christ, I'm going to tell you, this is an area that you need to shape. This is an area that you're not looking like Christ in. So we need to be a little bit more honest with one another in how we speak to one another. Because we are here for one another to be able to build one another up and get each other ready for that time. Then it says, a mature person will do their part in the body of Christ. So we will come... And we will serve here. We will build people up. We will invest in this body of Christ. We will move from that place of being receivers where we just nip in here on a Sunday, get our fix for the week, and we're off again, to actually coming with the heart to give and to build the rest of the body of Christ up. 
Then number six is mature disciples desire to know the word of God. And if you're not part of Institute, this is a best way to get to know, one of the, a very good way to get to know and understand the word of God, to study the word of God. So Hebrews 5, 11 to 14 says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God, God's word all over, uh, all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, which is God's righteous standards, being in right relationship with him, just what is right. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, by constant use, constantly eating the word of God, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The the way we know what is right and wrong, good and evil, we, what is good teaching and bad teaching is when we know the truth. And we filled ourselves with the truth. So a sign of immaturity is that you have to sit here and someone has to teach you over and over and over again. And you never get to a place where you grasp the truths of the word of God and you're able to teach them to somebody else. So I'm not saying that everybody's going to stand on this platform to teach the word of God. But you meet with people every day where you could take a verse that you've learned in your, or read in your devotion and you could share it with somebody else and it could build them up. So we need to take a hold of the word of God, know the word of God and get to a place where we can teach others. And then also knowing the word of God helps us to become more discerning as we use it. We move from a place of just drinking milk like babies do to starting to eat solid food which strengthens us. Then the last one is mature disciples persevere in suffering. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. So we don't enjoy suffering, none of us like it, but God uses it for good in our lives to prepare us as his bride. Our faith is strengthened, our faith is purified, and God uses it in our lives to prepare, him, prepare us and, and keeps, it, when we're in a time of suffering, it also it reminds us we're not here forever. We don't have to endure the suffering forever. There is eternity waiting for me, and there is a bridegroom waiting for me. So I wonder today, just as I've gone through these, just ask yourself, as I say, just take one or two, maybe that the Holy Spirit has highlighted to you, and say, Lord, I want you to help me with that area of my life. I want to be perfected so that like the bride gets her hair ready, puts her makeup on, her dress is perfect. I want to be ready. I want to look beautiful when you come back. Are you a devoted disciple? Are you devoted to fellowship with your brothers and sisters, to prayer? Are you holding fast to the teachings of Jesus? How is your love for others? Are you loving those around you well? Are you handling the conflict in those relationships well? Are you bearing fruit in your good works and in your character? Are you reflecting Christ 
through your lifestyle? Christ-like characteristics, are they coming through? Are you able to discern between good and bad teaching or what is good and what is evil? Are you using the spiritual gifts and all the natural gifts that God has given you to build this body of Christ, to build the people around you? And are you persevering through suffering? Are you in a time of suffering and you're thinking, I'm just going to give up. I'm going to throw in the towel. Maybe you need to ask God just to strengthen you and help you. Because as you choose to persevere, he will give you the grace to push through. And you will be matured and perfected through that time of suffering as you go through that fire. Then the second one is maturity pursued. So how do we do this? We realize it's, it's a process. It's a process. It doesn't just all happen in a second. We're all in, on a journey. We're all at different levels in our maturity, and that is absolutely fine. God knows where you are. The key thing is that you're progressing. And the key thing is that you are progressing with Him and through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you're not trying to do it in your own strength. Philippians 3, 13 to 15, Paul says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, None of us have taken a hold of everything God has for us as yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. It is a process. And he, Paul is not saying, look back and remember the person that you were. He's saying, no, strain ahead and consider who God wants to make you and how God wants to perfect you and all that you should become in Christ. That should be the focus. So our maturing has two aspects to it. It is a personal or individual aspect and then a corporate aspect. We need to take responsibility for our own growth as individuals. God works in us. We have a personal relationship with him. But he wants to prepare us personally. And that takes us spending time in his presence. And I would suggest to you to spend time with Jesus every day. Worshipping, reading the word, just praying, speaking to him, just sharing your heart with him and allowing him to share his heart with you. So there has to be this connection, this developing of our relationship. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more we will become like him. We will be able to hear from him. We'll be able to behold him. We'll be able to be taught by him. He's going to influence our lives. He's going to change our lives. It would be very weird if Vaughan and I didn't speak for a month, or even for us, even a day, really. We speak a lot. We share our hearts a lot. And so if we didn't do that, we wouldn't be able to maintain this wonderful bond that we have in marriage, this friendship that we have. And it's the same with God. We've got to spend time. We can't think it's okay to go for months without speaking to him and spending time in his presence and expect that we will at some point mature and then look more like Jesus. Then the second thing, well, I've mentioned it now, and I want, to, I want to emphasize it, is the time with Jesus is so important, but the time in the Word of God, reading the Bible, understanding the Bible, is so, so key to our maturity. And so I want to read um, in Luke 8. Jesus is speaking about a parable, 
and, and it's about the word of God. It's, it's about the sower going out and, and scattering seed. And so he goes and he scatters seed. And some of the, the seed falls on the path. Some of it trampled. Some of the birds eat. Some, some of it falls on rocky ground and it starts to germinate. But there's not enough moisture, so it trills up and dies. Some of it is thrown between the um, thorns and the, the plants grow up together. Eventually the thorns choke those plants. And then some of the seed falls on good soil and it grows and, and it produces a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And obviously that's what we're wanting. But I want you to look at verse 14 of chapter 8. It says this, the seed fell among the thorns. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature, or their fruit does not mature. And so we see here that when that seed falls on the wrong kind of soil, it does not grow. It does not produce a crop. And then verse 15, it says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart who hear the word of God. They retain it and by persevering produce a crop. So what hinders our maturity or us taking in the word of God that produces maturity in us? It's this, that we get caught up in what's happening here. Life's worries, the cares of this world, loving riches. When we get caught up here and we lose that eternal perspective. And Paul says this, since, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So that's the warning. Don't get caught up here because it hinders your maturity. But what facilitates the maturity is a noble heart, the seed falling on good soil. Person that hears the word of God in whatever setting, if it's here, if it's you having your devotion, if it's institute, if it's at your city group, you're hearing the word of God. The key is to retain it, to make it a part of your life, to chew on it, to meditate on it, and to live it out. And that, through perseverance, is what produces the crop and brings us to maturity. So we need to take responsibility for our own growth, but then we also need to take responsibility for one another's growth. There's this corporate aspect. So the church and people in ministry here are um, responsible for, for providing environments that the Holy Spirit can work in our lives and where we can be together and we can grow together. And we've got three environments, gatherings, groups, and initiatives. And so this is a gathering. City Women in the Evening is a gathering. City Youth is a gathering. And then we have groups that meet in homes on a weekly basis. Young Adults is a small group. City Women AM is a small group. And then we have initiatives where we are equipped for life and for service to God. That is places like Institute, and we have initiative blocks which you need to look out for. These spaces are created by the church, and that's our responsibility. For you to come to receive the Word of God, to receive instruction, to be matured in Christ. But then there's this other aspect, that we have a responsibility to one another, for one another's growth, because we are a body. 
and we all play a part in that. And I love this verse in Colossians 4 verse 12. It's Paul writing, and he's speaking about Epaphras, which is one of his co-workers. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. When last did we wrestle in prayer for one another? Thinking about our brother and sister saying, this is an area they're struggling in. I'm going to wrestle in prayer until I see them come to a place of maturity and I see them coming through. We have a responsibility to one another. And so he says, sends greetings. He sends greetings to you because they built relationship. So you might say to me, well, I don't know half the people in this room. Well, I think you better get going then. I think you've got to invite some people to your house. I think you've got to stay a little bit longer after church and have some conversations and build some relationship and find out what's happening in people's lives. We're a family. We're a family. And we cannot wrestle in prayer for one another if we do not know what's happening in one another's lives. We can't live separately and expect to become the body of Christ, the bride of Christ that God wants us to become. So sometimes church can be messy, and sometimes we run away because of that. It's sometimes awkward, and we, relationships get strained. And I've seen it over the years. Sometimes people just avoid each other, or they just leave the church. But I want to say to you today, that's not the answer. Because if there is a spot on your dress, it will be noticed by your brother and sister. And it's as we rub shoulders that we notice these weaknesses and these shortcomings in one another's lives. And so we don't like it. It feels uncomfortable. We want to hide away. But I say, if you leave this church because somebody's irritating you here, or you leave that city group, you are in that dress and you are taking that dress with you with its spot. And somebody else that side is going to notice your impatience or your lack of love or your temper or your addiction. It's better just to stay here. Let's work it out together. Let's not avoid each other because it becomes uncomfortable. It's meant to be uncomfortable. It's, we're meant to feel uncomfortable because it reminds us where we're going and that we need to get ready for what God has prepared for us. So can I ask you this question? Why do you come to church? Do you come to church just for yourself? Just to come in, get your fix, as I said, and then off you go, I'm full, I'm okay. Or do you come for your brothers and sisters? Do you come so that you can build relationships and that you can build into other people's lives? Do you go to city group just for yourself? Or are you going for the family of God? Are you coming to this house or to another person's house on, during the week as a toddler? Like my toddlers just run, set the table, they knew there'd be food, sat down and ate. Off they went. And I did teach them to take their plates to the dishwasher eventually. But or are you coming to this house with a more mature mentality of, what can I do to help prepare this meal? What can I do to help this household run better? Can I serve in some way? Or is it just for me? Like Simon always says, this isn't the hotel of God. Yeah. It's the house of God. 
We are family and together we serve. We contribute to what God is doing here. So I love what uh, Peter says in 2 Peter 1 verses 5 to 8. He speaks about this process, this building up, this growing in maturity. And I absolutely love it. Because, as I said, we need the Holy Spirit to do this work in us. But it also takes effort on our part. We've got to be devoted and we've got to want to do this as well. So he says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, to your knowledge self-control. And it keeps going on. He's saying, just add one more Christ-like attribute to your life and then add another and then add another and then add another. And if you keep doing this, you will be... in a. You, you won't be ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question to you today is how are you getting yourself ready for that glorious day? And for the bridegroom who deserves your best, like that bride that gets ready for the love of her life, she gives it her all. She gives it her best. What are you doing to grow in maturity and to make sure that your garments are clean, that you have been beautified for him when he returns. So I want to leave you with a challenge today, a personal challenge and then a corporate one. I want you to look at a couple of things that I've spoken about today. I said it before. What area is God working in in your life? Look at that and take some steps, even if it's little steps, but take those steps of growth. If you need to speak to a city group leader, if you need to speak to somebody do that and get clarity as to what your next step is and take that step. And then corporately, I want to implore you, every one of you here today, to not only worry about your own maturity, but to be concerned for the maturity of this body and throw your lot in here. I'm asking you to be a part of what God is doing. And out of obedience to Christ, because Peter said that we have been called to obedience to Christ. To attend church every week. Because you're not just coming for yourself. There might be somebody here that needs to hear your prayer or hear the word that you bring or have your arm around their shoulder, encouraging them in their faith. Would you devote yourself to your personal growth, but also to the growth of this body, that you will attend this church every week, that you will invest in building in relationships, and that you would use your gifts to serve this body and serve the people in this body. Because like it says in Ephesians, we grow and we are built up in love as each part does its work. It's not one or two, five, ten, you know, the ratios are normally 80-20. You know, 20% of people do most of the work. No. Every single one of us have a part to play. And we will never be able to grow in a vacuum. Because that's not how God set it up. He set up us up to be in a community. And together we will grow. We have a responsibility to one another. Because the bridegroom is coming. And we need to get ourselves ready. I want to pray for us. Lord, I want to thank you so much for your word. We pray that we would take it. We would be inspired by it. We'd be challenged by it. We'd be changed by it, Lord. 
We pray that not one of us will walk out here and just flop this off, but we will consider what you have said to us. And that as we step into 2024 and we begin to set goals and we begin to make plans for our lives, we would remember that we are going home and we need to get ready for that day. And so we would factor in and we would prioritize you, Lord Jesus, at the center, your word at the center, time with you at the center, so that we can be ready and be the people that you want us to be, a people that will bring you glory and honor. And so I just want to say to you as well, if there's anybody in this place, you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you want to be counted in that number, when Jesus comes back, you don't want him to pass you by. I want to ask if you want to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ today. You've never done that. I want to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to be bold and say, I want to commit my life to Jesus. Is there somebody that has never done that before? Otherwise, I'm taking that everybody in this room knows Jesus and knows Jesus in a personal way. Is there anybody that wants to dedicate their lives to Jesus for the first time today? So as we sing this song, won't you have a moment with God and say, Lord, thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for revealing your heart to me. I want to be ready. Show me how I can get ready. Let's worship him.